morning, church. Shout out to all the moms out there. Uh, I think I've met most of you, but if we haven't met, my name is Nancy Lash. I'm Pastor John's wife, and I am a mom of two. We have uh, almost seven-year-old Liam that I'm sure if you've been attending Greenhouse for any amount of time, you've heard all about Liam. We have lots of Liam stories. And we have a three-year-old daughter named Lucia. She is also absolutely precious. She'll be four in just a month. And uh, I'm so excited to be up here with Pastor John talking to you guys today on Mother's Day. Uh, shout out to all the moms. Shout out especially to my mom, who I not only am honoring today for Mother's Day, but it's also her birthday. So, Abuela, Miss Melendez, my mama, happy birthday. Love ya. Um, John, what are we talking about today? So we're in the series, The Good Life, How to Thrive in Life and Finances. Last week, Pastor Matt Ulrich from Gainesville kicked us off. How many of you guys were here for that awesome kickoff talking about generosity, expanding that conversation, and basically drawing us and our attention to the words of Jesus, where if our relationship with money is off, our entire life will be off as well. If you missed it, you can check it out on the podcast or the YouTube channel. This week, we're going to continue in that conversation looking at, interestingly enough, did not coordinate with Emmanuel about this, but it worked out great, looking at the wisdom from the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, what that has to teach, what God has to teach us when it pertains to life money, relationships, and flourishing. Uh, as you get ready to turn your attention there, you can stand your feet as we get ready to read and honor God's word. Some very interesting context. Proverbs 31 in the original language, which would have been Hebrew, is written as an acrostic poem. Anybody remember what acrostic poems are? Remember when you were a kid and you were like, M is for the most amazing. O is for only gets to take a shower when the kids go to bed. M is for, right? It's you're, you're, so this, I thought it was very apropos in the moment that for all of our moms in the room, you have an acrostic Mother's Day poem written to you from God. Everybody say, aww. Here's why this matters theologically and in terms of the hermeneutics or interpretation of scripture. Proverbs is wisdom literature. And so typically in the book of Proverbs, you'd be looking at these rhyming couplets and you could kind of dissect each individual couplet to give you a sense of modern day wisdom. And for the acrostic poem, the very structure and nature of Proverbs 31 itself is a bit different. It was written, it was one of the flexes for an author to be like, check this out. I can make something comprehensible in an acrostic, right? And so what they're looking for differentiated in Proverbs 31 from your average proverb is you're not so much looking at each individual individual isolated verse or couplet, you're looking at the overall theme that the author is trying to portray. Make sense? All right, Bible nerd glasses off. Let's jump in. Nancy, why don't you read it for us and we'll dive I in I will. Here. I'll also say acrostic in the Hebrew alphabet. Correct. Thank you. Because I, he told yes. me that and I like went back through. It was like A, B, C. I don't see it. This isn't lining up. And he's like, oh, no, no. So not the American alphabet. All right. So we're going to be reading, like he said, from Proverbs 31. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with these verses, but we're going to start in verse 25. You can join us uh, in your Bible, on your app, or on the screen. So starting at verse 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. She does not eat 
the bread of idleness. Her husband, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So you guys can take your seat. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for the gift that moms are to us and to our congregation, to Greenhouse Church. We're so thankful, and we know that you have something for each of us this morning, and we're praying that you would open our ears so that we can hear what you want to tell us. Amen. 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 All right, there's three key lessons. Nancy and I will preach this one tag team style back and forth. Three key lessons to glean from this virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, three key wisdom principles to help us thrive in life and finances. Here's the first one. This virtuous woman is faithful with what is. Everybody say, what is. What is. She's faithful with what is, meaning she is faithful with what she currently has. You ever met someone who was just faithful? Didn't matter how big, how small, how seemingly trivial, they were just faithful. Anybody ever met someone like that? Do you have an amazing mom in your life that's maybe right next to you like that? Like that? Amen. That was your chance. Uh, we, we have someone like that in our church. She's actually on our tech team. Her name is Lisa. She's our tech director. Lisa's incredible. Lisa, I think Lisa is allergic to drop balls because it just does, they just don't, they don't happen. They don't get in her vicinity. Lisa just, she, she's uh, perceptive to people's needs. She's empathic when it comes to interactive relationships with human beings, but she's also on it when it comes to details. Routinely, Lisa will come up to me and say, hey, remember we were talking about da-da-da-da-da and some quick passing conversation that I probably forgot about. Remember, we have to think about X, Y, and Z. I'm like, oh, thank God for Lisa. The amount of times I come home and say, Nancy, thank God for Lisa. Lisa is faithful. It's true. It's true. Lisa is, she's one of those type of people. She, she is whatever she's been given, whether it's a tech team in a high school or a, or a off video she has to shoot or a random little detail that someone says in a staff meeting or someone who makes mention of a challenging thing that's happening in their personal life. And she comes and says, hey, remember so-and-so told us, let's get them a coffee because it, it, it's going to be a tough day and let's encourage. Like she's just, she's faithful. She's faithful with what is. It, it doesn't matter how big the problem might be or the situation or how seemingly small She's on it. She's faithful. When it comes to this, yeah, amen to that. Some of you are amen it because it's true. When it comes to this Proverbs 31 wisdom of this woman, this human hero we're given in the story, we see that same reality. Check out verse 13 here. So she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Continues in verse 27. She watches over the affairs of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. This woman is blooming where she's planted. She is the epitome of whatever she's been given, whatever God's put in her hands. She is faithful with what she has. She's thriving right where she's at. She has a passionate, deliberate persistence. She's knitting. She's doing all the stuff. She's making this happen. She's being passionately faithful with, right, with what's right in front of her. In the New Testament, Paul echoes this same idea in Colossians chapter 3. If you put up verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, work at it, what does it say? With all your heart as working for the Lord, 
not for human masters. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. What we see in the Proverbs 31 woman is she is already living out this same New Testament principle of faithfulness. She is faithful with what is. She's living this reality before it's even penned. Now, there's a unique element of her faithfulness. There's a unique element of her stewardship over the life that God's given her that is specifically commended or highlighted in this passage. And it might not be the thing you would think at first, but the writer makes sure to note, and that aspect is her generosity. Look at verse 20. In verse 20, it says, she opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hand to the needy. She's got all of these different things going on. There's all of these facets to her life. There's all of these elements to consider. And yet when it would be so tempting to think that she just has to think about her group and her tribe and her family, we see in this woman that there is enough love and faithfulness in her heart to consider the needs of others, specifically the poor and needy. She's generous. I want to help us find ourselves in this story. Do I have any dreamers in the room? Any dreamers in the room? Anyone? You're like, I'm, I'm in this moment, but I'm already thinking about lunch right now. I'm in this moment, but I'm already thinking about work on Monday. Like you're in a project, but you're already thinking about the third project that you're going to get after the second project. Like you are, if you are a dreamer, I'm, la- I'm looking at AJ laughing because that is AJ to a T. The amount of ideas he has is amazing. It's a gift from God. If you're a dreamer in the room, this component of this virtuous woman, this wisdom that we're supposed to glean from God about how she is operating in her life is a bit challenging to those of us that are wired. This would be, if you remember the APES conversation, the Ephesians, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Often the apostolic leaning is very pioneering. You're thinking about the future, and that is good and godly and how God's wired you, but there is a component in which you need to realize that the challenge of this virtuous woman is she is faithful with what is. Often the danger of thinking on into the future is we pursue the future in lieu of being faithful in the present. And what we see in this virtuous woman is she is faithful with what is. You remember Jesus, he, he told this story, this parable of the talents. And, and he had some people, they, they all had different amounts to begin with, but some of them were not faithful with what they have. And Jesus said, if you are faithful with little... God will make you ruler over much. Translation, you can have great dreams for the future, but it begins with being faithful in the present. This is what we see in this woman. It's a reminder to us that are wired, especially in pioneering ways, that is so easy to get, up, get caught up dreaming about what could be that we could neglect to be faithful with what is right now. And present faithfulness is a great indicator of future fruitfulness. This incredible, godly, virtuous woman is faithful with what is. But not just that. Nancy? Sorry, took me a minute to unmute. You're exactly right. She's faithful with what she has. She's faithful with what is in front of her, but she's also fruitful with what's to come. Did you just get mesmerized listening to me preach? Or did I make you fall asleep? Oh, wait, I need to keep going. I'm up here too. No, absolutely. She's faithful with what God's given her, and she's also looking ahead and we talked about those dreamers, looking ahead, envisioning for what's to come. We recognize that there needs to be like an intentionality to both, right? Some of us 
find a propensity to lean into one, either be really intentional with what's in front of us and or some of us say, I don't want to think ahead. I want to stick to what I know and what's in front of me. So let's take a look. Give me just a minute. This is why I didn't want to do paper. He told me, I don't think paper's a good idea. And I said, well, I'm going to do it. And here we go. Okay, story time. I don't need my notes for this. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> okay, that makes me nervous, but sure. Uh, story time. This will be without my notes. So I cut my hair recently. If you have known me for any amount of time, I usually keep it pretty long, um, but I cut it short. It was about six weeks ago. So to me, it's not new. It's, you know, it's been a while. I look in the mirror and I'm like, this is what my hair looks like. But if I see someone I haven't seen within the last six weeks, it's always like the first thing they say in the topic of conversation, oh my goodness, your hair is short, you cut your hair. And it turns into a whole conversation. If you're a curly girl, you know what it's like. It's just, it always comes up. Um, if, you're, if you have curly hair, I did like a big chop, right? This happens sometimes if your hair gets dry or damaged, you just have to cut it off and start over. And so I go in and I explain to everyone, I really like long hair. I miss my long hair. I liked it long. And I would like to have long hair in the future. I want to grow it back. But to have what I want in the future, I needed to do something about it now. And for me, that meant to chop it off. And so like Pastor John kind of alluded to, there needs to be that tension, right? We're faithful with what we have and we're mindful of what we want in the future. What's that gonna look like? What is our vision? What does God put that desire in our heart to do? And we need to act now for what we want then. Of course, hair is, you know, I told you I didn't make notes to talk about hair. I could do that easy. Uh, but hair is inconsequential, right? When we're looking at the grand scheme of life, hair is hair. It'll grow back. You can put on a wig. We're good. Let's take a look at the Bible, right? This is more important. Let's look a look, take a look at the virtuous woman and what exactly she did. So we're going to read from verses 16 through 8, 19. She gets up. While it's still night, she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Thank you. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. And in her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. I think as women, right, I don't know that this passage is new to a lot of people. We've read it before. It was read this morning. It's a really popular chapter. And I think a lot of times women, we can read this and think, oh my goodness, this is the ideal woman. I don't know if this is what I want to do. Uh, I loved what Pastor Matt did last week when he read the passage and like put it in his own version. Sometimes I read it and this is what I think. This woman is waking up while it's still dark. She has to cook for her family. She's managing a staff. Then she goes to work and makes all these important business decisions. And then she has to like tack on some good old manual labor after that. She's working outside. Uh, she follows that with a workout. She's still got to make time for the gym. Then she's trading stocks, you know, making sure she's making good deals. And then before she goes to bed, she's sewing clothes. And I'm like, this is so unrealistic. And this is not the life that I want. I can't do this. I think if I were, you know, writing this, I would, I could check off like a few of those. I could wake up early, go to the gym and cook, but you know, I'm probably not going to be super productive at work or I could like wake up early, go to work, make 
you know, some hard business decisions, uh, work in the garden, but we're doing takeout for dinner that night, right? Like it's hard to imagine someone doing all of these things. And honestly, when I read this passage, it feels almost overwhelming. Um, like Pastor John said at the beginning, and I, it helped me reframe how I read this passage, we're not to take verse by verse and try to live this out and say, okay, let me memorize verse one, I'm going to do that. Really, this is a guide. There are principles to pull out of this. And I think if we're reading this passage and looking at all that she's doing, the principle, if I could sum it up into one word, would be stewardship. God has given her so much, and she's taken it and has really owned it, invested in it, and handled everything that she's been given well. This, to steward something means to care for, to look after, to manage. In order to steward something, we first need to believe that we have been given something, right? We can't steward something. We can't take care of something that's not ours. We can't manage something that we haven't been given, so that's step one. Believe that God has given you something. And <laughs> it's so dramatic. Stupid paper. <laughs> we'll recycle it. Don't worry. Chill, okay? Chill out. Um, this is, you know, applicable. <laughs> I see everybody laughing. I'm like, oh, goodness. Uh, this is applicable to all of us. Moms, especially, we're talking to you today. But dads, microchurch leaders, uh, young adults who don't have kids, teenagers, college students, all of us can look at everything in front of us and feel overwhelmed. Let me remind you that God has given you these things. These are things that we can be thankful for, and um, it's easy to, one, feel overwhelmed or maybe feel like God has overlooked you, and the key there is God has given you something. Hopefully, if you've been following Jesus for some amount of time, you see that um, he wants to give you stuff, more and more and more things, honestly. And I think when we read passages like this, we're like, no, no, please, enough with the blessings. Like, I got enough kids. We're good. Um, <laughs> but, but also amen to that one. But also, yeah. <laughs> um, God doesn't want you to be overwhelmed, and he also wants to give you a lot. So what do we do with that tension? with, yes, Lord, I want to receive more from you, but two, I'm kind of overwhelmed with what I have on my plate. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, another really popular verse. When we think about it, we have to remember that when God gives us things, his plans are to prosper us, not to harm us. They're to give us a hope and a future. When God gives you something, it's because he loves you, wants to bless you, and trusts that you have what it takes to see this through. Um, Unfortunately, the enemy is out there, and he is really, really good. He specializes, I would say, in twisting what God has said to us and wants to discourage us. He did this with Eve in the garden. He came to her and said, did God really say and tried to twist what God told her. He actually went to Jesus while Jesus was fasting and also was questioning him and challenging him, causing him to rethink what God has said. Of course, Jesus is the goat and knew how to handle that. Did you just say that Jesus is the goat? <laughs> We've been watching a lot of sports. I mean, week. that is biblically accurate. So <laughs> We talked about LeBron Greatest of all time. Steph Curry. Yeah, there we go, in case somebody didn't know. Just did. Lots of sports in our house um, last week and this week. Okay. Um, so By the we, way, just I just have to. Oh my goodness! I just, Go ahead. sports break. I've been trying break. so hard, but Miami Heat, come on! Also, Florida Panthers, come on! South Florida sports. I don't know what you're thinking right now. I got one word for you: Kingdom. 
The kingdom is coming. Miraculously feels. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. It was a paper's fault. (laughs) That was not in the notes, but of course, we know that sports have to be mentioned. Um, Okay, so back to what we were talking about. Um, We can feel overwhelmed, and yet we also want to receive what God has for us. And again, this isn't just for moms. I think a lot of us in the room can feel that tension. I love what happens in Proverbs 31:20. We're reading all about this virtual woman and all that she's doing for her family, for her staff, and for everything she's got going on. She seems like she's really got a lot on her plate. And I would think that at the end of her day, she's relaxing, right? She's like, I'm, I'm going to take a bubble bath. Nobody come in the room. Everyone leave me alone. I want to read a book. I want some time to myself. And that's not what she does. If we read verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends to her hands to the needy. And I couldn't believe this. After a full day, I mean, she's overwhelmed. She's got all this going on. Thank you. Um, she has room in her heart and has the flexibility to still go out and serve others. I couldn't believe that. The question I think we all would ask is how? How does someone do so much and still find in in their heart to go out and serve others out of the overflow? And and the thing I want to highlight here that as Nancy and I were preparing together and talking this through that I find unique about the portrayal of wisdom personified in this virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 is she is both faithful with what is and fruitful for what, with what could be, meaning she is passionately faithful with what God has currently giving her, and she is pioneeringly fruitful for what could be moving on into the future. Typically, people are only one or the other. So to, to the challenge on the other side of things, if I, I challenged the dreamers a moment ago, how many of you are like, I am allergic to change? Like, keep things the same. I like my routine. I like my flow. This is where the Proverbs 31 woman is an equal opportunity offender or at least challenger to our sensibilities because on one hand, it's like, man, she, she runs in the lane that she's been given and she's faithful with it. And some of us are like, yes, exactly. And others are like, oh gosh, help me. All right? and, but then on the other side, we're like, and she is pioneering and stepping out and making business deals and stock exchanges, and she's going after it. She is stewarding, which means not just sit with what you have, but, but multiply what you have. Remember the parable of the talents? One person had two, then he had four. One person had five, then he had 10. And one person had one, they dig, dug it in the ground. And Jesus doesn't say, way to be financially conservative. Jesus says, you wicked, lazy servant. What we see in this virtuous woman is she has a gear for both things. She is faithful with what is, and she is fruitful, pioneeringly fruitful with what could be. The question is, how in the world is that possible? Number three, point number three, she's able to do all of this. She flourishes on earth because she fears the Lord. She flourishes on earth because she fears the Lord. Let's read in uh, verse number 30. From Proverbs 31, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Because she fears the Lord, she's thinking about heaven. She's thinking about eternity. She's not worried about what's happening on earth. Her focus isn't on herself. She's worried most about giving God glory, not about what's going to bring her glory. 
When I initially studied this passage, I wanted to take a different angle. Uh, The first verse, when they talk about the um, virtuous woman, the word can be translated in other translation as the noble woman or the valiant woman. And I read in other parts of the Bible, that word is actually used to describe strong groups of men or armies. And I thought, oh, that's good. Yeah, I thought, I'm going to, like, take that angle, and that's what we're going to talk about is, you know, the strong, virtuous woman. Other translations in other parts of the Bible uh, use that word this way. It's a great force, strength, riches, wealth, power, substance, might. And yes, the virtuous woman is all of those things, and yet it's all because of how she views God, and she realizes that all of that strength, everything that she can do is based in her relationship with God and what that looks like, not in what she can do on her own strength. David writes this in Psalm 33. I'm just going to read it to you guys. It's not going to be on this screen, but I loved this idea of being strong, being mighty, feeling capable and confident in your ability to do everything that God has called you to do, and yet resting in this uh, confidence and assurance that God is the one who's going to take care of us. So I'm going to read this. This is Psalm 33, verses 16 through 20. It says, no king is saved by the size of his army. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope on those whose hope is on his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. Uh, That even this phrase, when we talked about this, this point number three, I said, I struggle with that word fear, fear the Lord. I said, that's so hard for me to say, okay, if you want to be strong, if you look at all of the plans you have in the future and all that God has given you now, and you want that to be successful, you got to fear the Lord. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't like being afraid. And it's not so much in that. It's really the focus of shifting your I want to get this right. I want to get this um, done. I want to be successful in these areas. Forgetting all of that and really focusing on, I want to please God. I want to be successful in his eyes. I want him to approve of all that I'm doing. And when I helped view it that way, it helped not thinking, I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to make him mad. And really thinking, I want to make him proud. And I want to be really successful in all that I want to do to bring God glory. So we can have it all. It's possible. I think a lot of times we look at everything that's in front of us and think, this is impossible. I've got to quit one or the other. I can't do it all, but we can. I think God has called some of us to have a family, to have a career, to live generously, to serve at church, and to be at peace. That's the part I struggle with. I'm like, I can do it all. I'll probably go a little crazy, but oh, what? It's possible to have peace too, and it is. We see that outlined here. We have to put God first. We have to put God first. We get overwhelmed when we do it backwards, and this is often what we see. We have our everything in front of us, and we look to what's ahead, and we start making plans for what we want in the future, and then we look back and say, okay, this is everything in front of me. Where does God fit in? Where do I have room to serve? Where do I have room to be generous? Where do I have room to attend microchurch? Look at all that's on my plate. And it's in reverse. We first start with, God, what do you want me to do? 
What do you want me to say yes to? Everything I do comes second to you. You come first. And then we take care of what's in front of us. And then we have time to plan for what's ahead. And if God is in the mix, he's going to bless it and it's going to be successful. If we're submitted to God and consistent in following him, he will lead us. Invite him in and ask him what to do with all that he's given to you. Verse 25, I want to read this real quick because to Nancy's point about the order, I think that's a good insight. The order matters. You know, this, you've got all these different things going on. You've got all these facets and components. Proverbs 31, 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. In the midst of all of the multiplicity of things she's got going on, she operates and walks in peace. Why? Because she fears the Lord. So take it to a point of application. What are we supposed to do with this passage? You're like, okay, it's Mother's Day. I'm not a mom. I'm, I'm a college student. What am I supposed to do with this? Well, you're supposed to glean wisdom one, from the One, call proper... your mom. Call your mom. If Amen. Mom, even if Number she's one, here, call, call her. your mom. There's tell her she's student. amazing. Rise up and call her blessed. There's an application in Proverbs 31. That's my number one advice when I meet a college student who's here. I'm like, hey, how are you? Great. When was the last time you called your mom? And they're like, a week ago. She's good. I was like, no, no, call her. She's going to be real happy to hear from you. So, so point number one, call your mom. But also, in addition to that, here's what I'd love for us to do this week, but I'm going to ask us to do this now. So if you have something you can take notes with if you've got a, a pen, pad, piece of paper, or your phone, pull it out right now. I want us to take a moment of self-reflection right here towards the tail end of our time together, and I'm praying that God uses this in a helpful way in your life. I want us to take inventory of our lives, and I want us to specifically take inventory of our lives using the framework of this Proverbs 31, virtuous woman of wisdom. Specifically, I want you to run your life through these three stopping points that we used here in our time together this morning. Think about it, write these down, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you, number one, faithful with what is? Are you faithful with what is? Number two, are you fruitful with what could be? Pioneeringly industrious, using what God has given you, growing in those talents, abilities, capacities, capabilities. And then lastly, are you flourishing on earth because you fear the Lord? Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living with heaven and eternal things in mind? Are you, are you allowing God to be the starting point? You seek him first and everything else fits in after that. Or do you get everything fit in and then try to figure out where you can squeeze God into the nooks and crannies of your busy, jam-packed life? I want you to write those three areas down. And then I want you to rate yourself. Use whatever metric system you desire, one to 10, one to five, A to C. But I want you to take a minute right now and just look through that. Faithful with what is. If you look at your life right now, and I want you to seriously give, give it a number, rate yourself. Say, God, show me, give me a sense of clarity with where I'm at right now in these areas. Are you faithful with what is? When you think about this idea of stewardship, of just being a good steward of what you have right now. How are you doing? Does that come really easy for you? Is that an area of strength? Is that exceptionally difficult because you're always on to the next thing before you finish the thing you're doing right now? Number two, are you fruitful and industrious with what could be? Is that an easy one for you? Are, you? are you always thinking, okay, how can I maximize it? God's giving me this gift, okay, how can I grow it? God's giving me this opportunity, okay, how can I make the most of it? Are you, are you strong in that area or is that a challenge? for you. 
Then lastly, are you flourishing on earth because you fear the Lord? Do you find yourself consistently struggling to incorporate God into your busy life? It happens. It happens to all of us. Where are you at right now? Which one's the strongest, actively thriving in your life at present? Which one is struggling? Take a minute. You got it? All right, here's what I'd like you to do with that list. If you have not finished it, I'd like you to finish it. Maybe even before you leave this morning, you can just sit in your chair. We'll have some good contemplative music, and so you'll have time to finish it, but... But if you have finished it, I want you to look at your list right now at the area that you have the highest rating, where you are currently the strongest. We talk about this in relation to financial blessings sometimes or circumstantial blessings sometimes, but the same is true in terms of soul and emotional health flourishing. If God has blessed you in an area, it is for the purpose of being a blessing to others. Wherever you are strongest, here's my encouragement to you. Help and disciple someone else in that area. God's given you a strength. God's given you an insight. You can just rest on that and be like, I'm amazing, (laughs) which is probably not the right answer, right? Or you could decide, no, I want to follow Jesus who commissioned us to go and make other disciples. And and I want to help someone in this area. Like, let's be honest, someone probably helped you, right? That's why you got to a place where you're flourishing in that zone. This week, it, it might look like Somebody in my, saying to the microchurch leader, hey, this is an area of personal strength for me. You can say it in humility, by the grace and mercy of God, I've had great mentors, whatever the case might be, but it is an area of strength for me. Is there anyone in our microchurch that you think would be great to hang out with, take out for coffee or whatever and talk about this? It might be time, maybe you've been in the microchurch for a while and you've been thinking about starting a little discipleship group, a little core group. That might be the right time and this might be one of your core areas of focus. Where are you strongest? Next, where are you weakest? Which one of those three areas had the lowest number? Which one of those three areas has, in this moment, maybe acutely or consistently been an area of challenge for you? If you can assess and know what that is, it's not so you feel bad about yourself and you feel like, oh gosh, I'm the worst. It's so you can reach out to someone else and ask them to help you. Because someone else's area of strength is probably your area of weakness, and then we can lean on one another and we all grow together. That should be a Bible verse. It is. It's called Corinthians 12. Lean on somebody else. Ask your microchurch leader, hey, this area, man, Pastor John and Nancy, when the talk, like, I know this area has been a challenging point for me. It just made it really clear. Is there someone in our microchurch that just is, has a passion in this area, is great in this area that I could talk to? I bet there is. And I bet if you were willing to lean in there with some humility, you could see growth in ways that maybe you've never seen in weeks, months, years, or your entire life. Because Jesus is willing. And if you're willing, amazing things could happen. Maybe you're here and you're struggling and and anxious and fearful, and you're thinking about this woman who laughs at the future and the things to come. You're like, did she live through a global pandemic? Like, is she aware of the socioeconomic realities and the instability of our world right now? In an agrarian society that is frequent with famine and drought, I can assure you the answer is yes. And yet, she still lives with this sense of easy yoke and light burden, peace and joy. How in the world 
My encouragement to you would be to do in your life what this woman does in her life, to lean on the Lord. I mentioned about the, the need and the, sort of the flooding crisis in our community that's hit several low-lying neighborhoods, especially out east in Fort Lauderdale, very hard. I, it, it got brought to my attention as I was talking with some pastors who were out in that area, but then I, we, we did a teacher appreciation thing here, and I was talking with one of the teachers, and she's been a part of Western High School for a long time, and so we've got some rapport over the years, and she came up and she said, man, pastor, I had the best prayer meeting of my life the other day, and I was like, please tell me about it. And we've connected about spiritual things. And she's like, you know, I'm like kind of not the regular church person, but she's got like a, a loose church attendance kind of background, but not really going anywhere with faith in this current moment. And she said, you know, I was out in my house and it was raining really hard and I was one of those neighborhoods. And I was like, I've heard about these neighborhoods. And she's like, yeah. So it was, you know, water was in my front yard and then it was in my front steps and then it was in my front door. And then it was in my living room, and then it was in my bedroom, and then it was climbing. She's like, I ended up terrified, middle of the night, standing on my bed with my dogs as water is all. She's like, thank God I had one of those high beds because we're up there. There's water all the way up and climbing. She's like, and I'm just sitting there panicked, calling 911, like, I need someone to come get me. She's like, I'm not the most mobile, and I couldn't just go out. She's like, and, and I'm just sitting there. She's like, I... I, man, I had, I talked to Jesus. (laughs) I'm sure you did. And what she said stood out to me. She said, you know, I've always thought about God as sort of a great idea in theory when times get tough. She said, and I realized in that moment, I needed something more than myself. What actually ended up happening is she had, she called 911. They had to get a boat to come in and rescue her. That's how deep the water was in her entire area. She said, I realized in that moment I needed something beyond myself. Otherwise, things were going to end very badly. And thank God she was rescued and she's fine. But still a lot of issues to figure out with all the flooding in her home. And and that's not just true of our physical bodies in times of flooding. That is acutely true and even more so of our souls. I realized that on Mother's Day, this is a day of such a a mixed range of emotions, everything from excitement and joy for incredible moms that that have just been amazing in our life and we're so grateful and go call your mom and celebrate your mom and love on your mom and cook for your mom. If that would be a blessing, if not, buy takeout for your mom, right? Just like go, there is all, but for many of us, it's a day of hardship and pain and suffering. And maybe for some of us, like you relate to what Nancy shared about Proverbs 31. You read it as a to-do list that's just as overwhelming as you could imagine. You already feel like you're drowning. Can I encourage you and let you know it's because you need something beyond yourself. You need him. In fact, you are made for relationship with God. And if you were to get on the metaphorical phone to call heavenly 911 and say, I am about to be drowning. Can you please come and rescue me? He would be there in a heart because he already came. And he sent his son, Jesus. And he loves you so much that he saw you in the midst of your pain and suffering. You're like, how does he know? Because God exists outside of time and space. He's incredible like that. And he saw your need before it even happened. And he made a provision and a way for your rescue. And all it takes is humility to jump on the phone of your soul and say, God, help. And he'll come and rescue and save the day. 
the hero, I love how Nancy said it, the hero of the Proverbs 31 story is not the virtuous woman, the hero is God. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But this woman fears the Lord. And we're still talking about her thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years later. The hero of our story is not our abilities or our intellect or our goodness or our effort, it is him. It's always been him. His grace, his goodness, his peace, his provision, his power, his love. And if you're in need of rescue, I got great news for you. He's here. Let's pray. Would you join me as we bow our heads? Lord, we love you. And for many of us in this room this morning, this is just a reminder of your nearness. This is just a reminder of the rescue that you've already brought about in our life time and time and time again, Lord. But for anyone under the sound of my voice, whether here in the room, online, over in Guyana, Lord, who, is, who feels like they are drowning. Lord, thank you that your arm is not too short to rescue and you're not, your ear is not shut to our cries. You care deeply. And you're just waiting to be invited in. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a place emotionally, spiritually, where you'd be willing to admit that you need help. You need him. You need rescue. If that's you this morning and you realize that you need God in your life, you feel overwhelmed, you feel unable, you feel incapable, you feel disqualified. The great news is that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay the price that your rescue demanded and to qualify you because of his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and his love. If you'd like to invite him in as Lord, as leader, as rescuer, to help you thrive in life and finances, you can do it right now. It's as simple as saying, God, I need you. You can say it right there in your chair. You can say it right there wherever you're watching online. Say, God, I need you. Rescue me. Help me. Save me. Deliver me. I'm drowning here on my own. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I need you.